Welcome to Sardisms, where we take great ideas and bring them together to have great conversations. In this episode, we're speaking with Michelle Kearns, who is the CIO of CareDoc in Ireland. Michelle is passionate about healthcare and how technology can be used to benefit patients, clinicians, and citizens. She also understands the importance of engagement with users and having the kind of transparency that helps us learn and grow throughout healthcare. Welcome, Michelle. So do you want to start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, as Kevin likes to say, your origin story? I, I actually, by accident, got into healthcare. It was oh, okay. a really weird. Uh, yeah, I finished oh. college. I um, had uh, done computer science linguistics in German in Trinity and then moved to information communications technology because it was shiny and new and all the rest of it. Mm. And uh, after that, I'd kind of done a few temp jobs. And my mum and dad, above all people, were like, there's this place in Carlo called CareDoc and you should apply. I was thinking, I know nothing about this. It's not related to my uh, degree. It's it's health. What? Okay. But uh, yeah. I ended up applying and that was 16 years ago. But it was kind of crazy because I, I was so lucky uh, because the, the people there were great to work with, but they also always gave me the opportunity to try new things. So when I was like, oh, let's try this piece of tech or let's do something different. It was always like, ah, sure, what can possibly go wrong? A lot occasionally, but sometimes it's been incredibly <laughs> successful. But uh, one of the things that uh, oh, at the very beginning, they were all talking about, you know, we're going to have integrated care. We're going to have unique identifiers. So we have nothing equivalent to an NHS number. Mm -hmm. So we just have, um, you know, like so transferring records between services is quite difficult because as you can imagine there are quite a number of Mary Murphy's or Paddy Doyle right. <laughs> and things like that so one of the very first projects I was involved in was um, actually developing a message broker between the Advara service and the in hours and it was quite interesting because it was the first time I ever got a real sense of you know clinicians they weren't too sure what that sharing meant and they, the one thing they thought was does this mean other GPs are going to see my notes are they going to criticize my notes or you know how are they mm. going to, to do to, to feel about it so it was kind of navigating through that was different for me anyway because again I think sure of course everything should be easy but as I always say now tech is the easy part people are the problem <laughs> ah. <laughs> it's always it's always politics it's always there's always something and I suppose in my naive view Sometimes I always like think, right, for the greater good, we should always do that. But there's always a political agenda that seems to get in the way or, you know, you don't get to do the things you do. But uh, it, it's been it, all, all through the years, I've had great opportunities to kind of go different places, see different um, healthcare services. And I remember we did um, one thing over in the UN in Copenhagen, actually, for the World Health, World Health Organization. And they had all the member countries. And it was really kind of cool to see the way that they had everything uh, laid out. But all of the countries, we were speaking about digital solutions and how can you support healthcare. It doesn't matter what country you're from. Healthcare is kind of the same. You have different systems, you have different political leanings, you have different political groups. But at the end of the day, sick people need to be seen. And mm. no matter where you're, where you're from, everybody has their own little you know story or their own little thing people just want solutions and they want to share and sometimes i think we're not we're not good enough at sharing or people have a worry that if they share and something goes wrong do they get to blame and it, it, that's one thing that i think we still we're getting a bit better at it but we still need to work on that kind of culture of just share and if you're wrong you're wrong but you know right. someone else will learn from it and you know maybe it will help other people and it's the one thing that i think always throughout healthcare, I've always been like, no, no, just share. Even if it's bad, we'll learn something, we can move on, we can do something different. Interestingly, Kazakhstan, 
very cool place. If mm-hmm. you ever get the opportunity yeah. to go to Kazakhstan, <laughs> that was um, a really weird trip. I was invited over there to chair a group. And then, of course, before we left, we were five hours on the runway. I missed, we were flying through Turkey. I missed my connecting flight. It was all this kind of madness. But yeah. when I got there, I was like, this is the most beautiful country ever. But uh, when we were when we were sitting kind of in this fabulous building and, you know, mountains everywhere, uh, they were just saying, you know what? If only people shared in healthcare. And I just thought, yes, <laughs> I have come yeah. to the far side of the world and it's still the same problems. If only people could share, if only people were transparent about what they do. You know, if people find something wrong or there's, there's something at fault, rather than just covering it up and pretending, you know, it's going to go away. And if they just shared what they learned, how to make it better, do those things. I, I ramble a lot, by the way. So, you know, cut me <laughs> off. This is great. I, <laughs> oh, I, I don't want to stop you. I don't want to stop you when you're you flow. It's good. It's really, really interesting. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. It's it's one of those things that sometimes I think, why? Why? How did I end up in healthcare? And why am I doing this? Because you know yourself when you kind of feel, uh, is it ever going to change? But there, you do, you know, things are changing. There has been a whole shift even i think it was about five years ago now i'm sure you've come across richard corbridge in your travels he Mm -hmm. came over to ireland as kind of the first cio in healthcare but he Mm -hmm. really kind of put digital or technology on the agenda because beforehand people really they didn't really want to know about it or it was all very just disjointed so i became one of the founding members of the um, ccio over here in ireland and Mm -hmm. it was really interesting because people finally were like "Ooh." let's get involved, let's do something different. Yeah. And there was an, a real appetite. And thankfully that still exists now. And uh, people are more accepting that, yes, we can we can do these things. We can actually get something done. But there's always that, again, that whole political thing that you have the big organizations like you have the NHS, we have the HSE. And you have such wonderful people who are working in those organizations. But then you have the not so wonderful people yeah. <laughs> who just put up barriers to everything. And you can get disheartened and you just you just sometimes you feel so frustrated because you're like it's still so easy it's like <laughs> just do it yeah, <laughs> yeah just do it <laughs> just do just. it just do it get it done <laughs> i think you're reading my mind right at yeah, the moment really. <laughs> <laughs> we just had a bit of pushback on something that we think is a really you know really can really move things ahead and it's so frustrating and actually your words really <laughs> i needed to hear that right now <laughs> okay cool you, you get it yeah 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 and, and it is i think it's times like that though you i i feel anyway from myself i'm just like why am i doing this why am i just am i the only person that can see this but like that then you hear people like yourselves going nope I feel the exact same or this is what's happening here you go oh thank god it's not just me <laughs> but uh yeah so and it's, i think it's weird as well everything that's happened with covid has kind of it's obviously pushed everything digital to the forefront um you know beforehand just say even with our board of directors they would have been kind of mm, will video consultations work you know is it something that we should go down but then as soon as COVID hit, it was like, well, first our video consultations. And luckily, I was yeah. like, well, here's what I prepared earlier. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. you could just kind of, you know, the legislation bits around prescribing and prescriptions. Because again, because we have no unique identifier, people are always wary of exchanging information and sending information. Mm. But with COVID, they were like, no, no, you can totally email prescriptions now. Yeah. <laughs> and you kind of get up all of a sudden. It's cool. And yeah, those barriers so, that have been there for... Possible. Yeah. yeah. And like internally, you're going, yay! <laughs> but you know, yeah. so you're going, 
that's just a fantastic idea. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons why you mentioned Kazakhstan and um, I was reading about Bangladesh this morning and their health tech, uh, not health tech, well, actually, yeah, partly health tech, but tech revolution. They, they really sort of went all guns blazing to bring about a tech tech change in Bangladesh. Now, bearing in mind, this is written by the, the minister for health, but who also happens to be the prime minister's son. Um, so, oh. <laughs> you know, possibly propaganda, mm. but... Even so, there are, there are lots of um, develop, uh, developing countries, but countries that aren't part of some ancient empire or, yeah. <laughs> or whatever, where, where there is a revolution going on in tech. And I, I feel like maybe sometimes these countries don't have the same sort of barriers of, of expectation mm. that you have in other places because things are being born new rather than going onto an existing system. And when when we had Dr. Umesh Prabhu on, he was talking about the hospitals there and how they do like 500 cataract operations a day. And and you just wonder sometimes whether instead of like this ridiculous idea that we, we get everything right here, that we should be looking outside more and 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 using these places to test bench ideas and grab the best of their ideas and uh, like like you say sort of absorb the best of everything that's going on in the world yeah to open open our minds to a wider world because we we all the one thing that unifies humanity and one of the things obviously has come about with coronavirus is that it unifies us all against one common enemy which is our (laughs) preservation of our health sorry i'm rambling now no that's cool that's cool (laughs) not me for once (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> actually that's that's one thing that's really interesting as well because in ireland like we have obviously legacy systems but then there are some areas where we've absolutely no systems whatsoever um when adviris first started in ireland obviously there were no systems there's nothing there's nothing existing before so all of our records in Cairdoc are all electronic we have no paper records whatsoever we've never had that mm. and when i you know Sometimes like with hospitals, when you see, obviously they have their huge filing rooms and all the rest mm. of for years, you know, when people say, oh, it's easy, we'll just digitize them. That's not going to work. That's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. No, they are long processes. I think sometimes people think that there's some quick solution or, you know, we can do this really fast or we do, but no, it, if it's going to be done right, it's going to take time and you need to do it right. Mm. But we've also then had the luxury and we're able to go to our nearest neighbours, pop over to see you guys and say, right, what mm-hmm. have you done right? What have you done wrong? Mm-hmm. Because we're always that little bit behind, we get the luxury of going, well, that definitely didn't work. So we'll just <laughs> pop that over there and we'll bring home this part. So a lot of our systems that we would use over here are usually systems that have been developed for an English market and then maybe slightly adapted for the Irish for the Irish market. Because sometimes I think we forget that we're actually a tiny country. There's more people in mm. London than there is in the whole of Ireland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, but, you know, close enough. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. yet still, you know, for, for one, for one, say, even in the out-of-hours context, context where you might have one out-of-hours service covering 5 million, we have 14 mm. out-of-hours services covering that same population. So, you know, there's, mm. there's all those things that really we should be learning more from each other. We should be collaborating more. We should be doing that. But also there is that whole people just want to keep it together. They want to keep their little bit of something. And I think I would, if there was ever anything I could wish for healthcare would that would be that people just share more and not feel that they were going to get reprimanded or that they were going to 
have some stigma against them for speaking out or saying, you know, this doesn't work or let's try this differently or actually this didn't work. This is why, but we did it differently. It definitely is that that culture is changing, but uh, it's probably not changing enough at a kind of top level, I think. Definitely, uh, there is that kind of fear. Well, we can't say we've done it wrong. <laughs> Let's just keep going and pretend everything's right. going to be grand. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's what we're finding as well, because we see open source definitely as being one of the real tools to that kind of innovation and, you know, and taking risks and trying things out. You know, the yeah. whole concept of it is that you fork fork the code, you um you try out your own version of things you, you someone has an idea you merge it into the code there's there's this whole kind of experimental um uh, attitude to software that that needs to be absorbed at the top I, I was talking to a friend the other day who's really good at um kind of physical building he's like he converts trucks and stuff and he's great at welding and he's great at and i said i I struggle to do it because my mindset is, um, you know, basically fail fast or, you know, try do lots of little experiments. And of course, if you're building a, a structure or something, you can, you can't, you can't play at the foundations, build the rest and then come back and go, actually, we'll fix this foundation I've, changed, <laughs> I've changed my mind. You can't just completely wipe out a whole, uh, like a whole section, but it, you know, it's very kind of incremental building it's very difficult to to have those two two mindsets at the same time uh yeah that that mindset of build build fast or fail far you know you don't want to fail fast with a power tool in your hand <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> um, but that that mindset of fail fast needs to kind of get up to an, an experimentation and rapid it, small iterative expectation needs. i don't know maybe this is just me and this is probably one of i you know my tangents and rants so again stop me mm. when i start doing these things but no 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 go rant rant yeah, we love <laughs> this could be like right health tech room 101 tell yeah. us therapy you know when people are like the first hundred days that actually annoys me intensely because i feel you know like the first hundred days in a job or even president biden the first hundred days what's yeah. he gonna do mm. yeah. i mean realistically if you want that like long-term actual meaningful impactful change you're not going to get anything done in the first hundred days you need to be learning you know what is your role about what are you supposed to be doing who are the people around you what have they done before that whole let's do you know let's achieve those in the first mm. hundred days i know maybe that's just me or my feeling with that but i always think it's really like yes it's aspirational and let's see what we can do in a hundred days but realistically if you want to have some meaningful long-term change a hundred days is a, it's, it's such a short space of time you want to learn those you want to learn about the people you're working with you want to learn about what they've already done what they're trying to achieve just not mm. kind of come in railroad over them and go oh, we're going to do all this because maybe somebody's tried that before so i have that that mm. whole hundred day i don't know maybe it's just me maybe it's just i don't know why i have such a thing about it but i just think i mean it's it's kind of setting people up to fail as well because then like what can you really meaningfully do in 100 days and if you do achieve these small little things, then people go, oh, well, they only really did that. Or that was only surface. So like, what's the point? Does anybody know the point of the mm. first hundred days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can, I can push back against that a little bit because obviously that kind of goes against the idea of, you know, start quickly, start, get on with something. Because I do think there's there's a tendency to, is it Parkinson's law where, you know, you, you, you take as long as the time uh, allotted to it. And so there's an element of, of reducing your expectations of how quickly something can be done, because then you will do it in that time. 
like setting kind of deadlines so maybe it's individual yeah no no I, I, maybe it is as you said like I think anybody can fill their time with doing stuff or learning about stuff or not doing stuff as the case maybe but uh mm. do you think like so you're you're talking about like as you said about like failing fast that kind of iterative let's just keep going till we get it right which I do well, yeah. agree with that side of things one of the things that we 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 hear is this sort of idea that you need to endlessly strategize and plan. Oh God, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> get on. Like I, I I'm totally with you on the, you know, don't be short termist. And yeah, I think that's yeah. that's when it that's when it's about relationships with people. And and as you as you sort of point out, it's, these are never technical problems, they're always cultural problems. Mm. And and that kind of green naivety, uh where people come along and, and just assume that the people who are who are there already yes, have that's not probably tried it. it, yeah, yeah, done it. But to quickly get on with something, but to accept that there are people who have tried all of these things and to listen to them, it's, it's a difficult. It's a balance, right? Of those two. Yeah, things. no, that that is exactly it. Yes, no, that is exactly it. One hundred percent. It is that because definitely it's strategy strategy plan 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 right let's have another strategy let's have a planning meeting about a strategy mm. let's strategize about a planning meeting yeah no that, that's mm. just nonsense and that's where a lot of great ideas go to die they're strategized to death mm. you know at the end of the day something that started off with a brilliant simple idea that which again could have been done quite quickly it was just you know planned around to the detriment of it and then just everybody forgot about it and it was like no this is taking too long now no absolutely from that perspective definitely get on with things <laughs> yeah, it's so easy to do isn't it like it, I, I like writing i think a lot of people like writing and it was like yeah i'm gonna write something but then uh, they, they sort of plan it they plan it out or whatever and <laughs> you know this is what i'm gonna do and like and then they and i'm like just begin right. <laughs> like just get the bit of paper and begin i need i need you to actually call me at least every day for the next week i've been trying to write a phd for the last four years oh, so if you could just buy, if you could just go just every day begin. just get to write just try, don't forget, just I, i'm happy to do that i'm happy to do that but that's what i meant about like long-term relationships is it, it i do think it matters that you that you bond with people and that you have you begin projects with people with a long-term attitude yes, in mind yeah. rather than so yeah it's just balancing up those two things of like yeah. get on with it like start start and, oh, and, and, that, start. and that kind of like doing 100 <laughs> days is like start you know elon musk sent up his rocket and i don't know whether you saw it like yeah i can't remember what it's called but it, it SN10 or something. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's one to go to Mars. It's really cool. It like something out of Thunderbirds because it sort of went up in the air and then, it, <laughs> and then it came back down and went onto the landing pad and then eight minutes later blew up. Yeah, right? exactly. Computer said no. It's really, yeah, computer said no. It was, a, it was actually a successful test run. So it's kind of cool. It launched successfully. We don't need yeah. that rocket anymore. <laughs> and, and we got a great big explosion out Jumps of it. Good. <laughs> so that, that's kind of cool anyway. So he got he got what he wanted. and um, But the mindset of doing that was he's obsessed with getting to Mars, right? Mm. And I think last year he basically went, oh, I'm not going to do this in my lifetime. And then just ramped up the program. It just went, right, let's 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 get this moving because otherwise I'm never going to see this in my lifetime. And it's that sense of urgency. urgency yeah. But with, to get a long, done. with a long-term view of relationships, culture, I, I can see like both sides. I'm 
for the benefit of the tape, I've got my hands waggling up and down and wet the <laughs> imaginary weighing scales. I think it's kind yeah. of a bit of both, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What is Care Doc? We are, uh, well, <laughs> we started off as a GP out of our service. So mm. we provide um, just out of our GP surgery to probably about a third of the population now. But we also do some national service. We kind of it, it was started back in 1999. So uh, since then, they started doing more uh, hospital in the home, community intervention teams. Um, so, you know, rather than patients who are well enough to be at home um, and are taken up a hospital bed, they don't need to be. They're actually treated. They're given their, So if it was IV antibiotics or whatever they happen to be. And um, mm. so they get people out of hospital earlier, but also prevent people from going into hospital. And then we do some national helplines. And we also, one of our latest projects was our SMILE project, which, yes, it took us ages to come up with the acronym. I think we spent more time in the acronym than we did <laughs> on designing the project. Bike shedding. <laughs> yeah. But uh, basically what that was doing is it's uh, supporting patients with um multiple uh, comorbid conditions uh, to manage their their care at home and, and trying to help them to I suppose identify when they're when they're getting sicker to prevent them from ending up in hospital or prevent them from uh, attending out of hour services or just on scheduled care in general so we actually um, we got Sloan to care funding so Sloan to care is a new cross party um, kind of government health care plan and mm. Sloncha means health in Irish, so it's just right. popular. <laughs> and uh, the, whole, the whole idea um, that of this particular project was to use digital solutions to support patients. So we got, uh, we had um, blood pressure cuffs, um, blood glucose monitors, SpO2 monitors, and then depending on uh, weighing scales and what else, and watches. So depending on the condition, patients um, received different um devices and all the devices are bluetooth devices and so the patients uh use we used withings and eye health so they um those the patients would uh, take their own readings and all the information would come into a an app called proact which was developed by trinity college dublin and dundalk it and it, it, it the, our nurses were able to monitor all of the alerts that came in so when the patients were stratified at the beginning so someone say with um uh, like obviously if your oxygen level was quite low you might need looking after but if you use COPD that might be standard for you so they stratified the patient set up all the alerts so the patients were monitoring at home and then if um, something was out of the ordinary the nurses would be able to know but then they'd also have scheduled calls with these patients so over COVID a lot of these patients were vulnerable patients they were shielding patients uh, so they uh, they had that contact with the nurse so the nurse was able to explain to them what COVID kind of meant to them to their condition how to protect themselves how to you know, keep going. But a lot of the time, people were very lonely because they they didn't have access to their family where they usually would, or, you know, right. families weren't calling over or they weren't even getting out to the shop, simple things like that. So they really, they kind of really appreciated that phone call. And But from the technology side of things, it was quite interesting because uh, our first cohort of patients, I think the, the average age was 79. And I think our eldest patient was 92. And at the beginning, everyone was like, they're never going to use the technology. <laughs> but they loved it. They absolutely loved it. We had people who were bringing it to hospital with them. So even though they were in a hospital, they were still measuring themselves um, and, and uh, submitting all the data. Plus, the app itself um, 
has information that it tells them more about their condition or where they can learn more about it. And also they can they fill in kind of health questionnaires daily if they want to about how they're feeling, their mood and their pain. And the nurse is able to see mm-hmm. that. But it, it's gotten to the stage now that the project has been running over a year now. And the nurses that are they're so familiar with it, with their with the patients now that, um, you know, at the very beginning, there was one particular patient and a, a couple of alerts were coming in and they're obviously taking their blood pressure quite often and it was getting higher and higher. And the nurse rang them and just said, just notice this here, what's going on? And the patient said, oh, I was just checking to see how many bags of crisps I could eat before my blood pressure went up. So <laughs> 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 simple things like that. Yeah. Our, uh, back, actually, nice. we had the referendum on the Eighth Amendment, which was um, uh, allowing uh, women access to terminations and all the rest of it. And mm-hmm. there was one lady and her blood pressure um, was quite high at a certain time in the evening. And apparently what the nurse found out was that Herself and her son had a, had opposing views on this, on, on right. what should happen and on the legislation. <laughs> and he used to ring her every evening at seven o'clock. Wow. And that used right. to actually stress her out. Yeah. And wow. it was like these weird little things that, that kind of oh, showed right. up. But they, they got to know the patients. Don't so, argue with your mom. No, no, never argue with your mom. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, you know, all of but they, it's really nice because they have such lovely stories about about the patients and they got to know and they know the patients so well now and they know their mm. families and you know it's just, it's the simple little things and because of the nature of of the program it's not it's not um interfering with their regular care so they know if they feel sick they still have to contact the doctor it's kind of supplementary care but also uh, the one thing they're saying it's more because it's more proactive as well. It's also allowing patients the time. They don't. They said they don't feel like they're getting in trouble. <laughs> so do you ever go mm. to the doctor and you know you've not done what yeah. you're supposed to do? They said a lot mm. of times they go to their nurse specialist or whatever. They have a certain appointment slot. They're in, they're out. And it's kind of bang, bang, bang. They don't really understand what maybe the instructions they've been given. But because the nurses were taking the time over the phone to listen to them and work with them and explain to them why this or that might happen they feel like it, it's better, but they also feel like they're not being given out to. Uh, but occasionally the nurse will ring them and they'll say, I know why you're ringing me, nurse. I had the mm-hmm. cake after dinner. <laughs> my blood sugar went up. But uh, it's, it's actually one of the one of the kind of nicer things that, you know, it, it's really it's really nice because obviously a lot of um, healthcare is, is reactive. So you're ringing because you're sick, you're ringing because of, you know, something. But th- this is kind of keeping people well and trying to keep, keep people out of hospital. And the interim mm-hmm. results have just been phenomenal. Yeah. There was one person, um, I think, the year before they started, they were on 27 courses of antibiotics. And um, since they joined the program last February, they were on no courses of antibiotics because, again, the nurses would start to notice, you know, and intervene before they had got really well. And mm-hmm. sometimes it was down to simple things like inhaler techniques or, you know, not being able to do this. But the technology element of it, it's nearly it's not even about it was never really about the technology or it, it was obviously in the beginning but now mm. that's just kind of a side that that just works away in the background and everything everything is fine but mm-hmm. it, it's you know it's kind of really given patients that kind of you know well i know what i'm doing now i know why i'm understanding like why the reading is as it is and uh, one thing that came out of it as well is they said they feel better when they go to their gp or to their mm. consultant or to their specialist because they can actually, they've asked the nurse, usually the triage nurse beforehand, the questions or they, the nurses work with them to say, these are the questions you need to ask. So they're just kind of always learning more about themselves and about their condition. And we've had great success rates for like on scheduled care. We had a target of, you know, trying to keep a certain number of 
percentage of people out of hospital are reducing their hospital admissions and it, it was way higher than what we had initially thought it would be and it's just it is that proactive care and I, I think like it's something obviously that ideally in an ideal world that's what you would like to be doing with everyone long term like that mm-hmm. piece of proactive management where if you're starting to get sick intervene beforehand like especially people with COPD a lot of a lot of those patients were ending up in hospital or simple things like this um, the hospital rang us and said did that lady pass away we were like no what they were like but she hasn't been back in hospital and she'd been in hospital <laughs> yeah she'd been in hospital every couple of weeks but what happened was one of our nurses went out to her house and this lady would say on oxygen 16 hours a day but her oxygen was up in her bedroom and she was like well I'm not going to stay in my bedroom for 16 hours a day right. and the nurse was like but you can actually bring your oxygen downstairs the lady hadn't realized that so it was that simple thing that she'd gone out of hospital with this tank of oxygen thought right mm. I can't get any course to go off it but because then obviously she was able to bring it around it very simple things when they go into someone's home they may see something that obviously when you're sending them out from hospital you're just sending them home to an unknown but when the nurses actually go into the the house they see the situation they see what's happening around them they're able to better help them and make decisions as well so they're mm-hmm. kind of complementary services between the, the community intervention team and then the technology and the smile and monitoring them at home so uh, mm. yeah again as i said i do talk a lot in the <laughs> no, no, when you're doing a podcast <laughs> that's good that's a good thing it's a very good thing <laughs> this is my first right, podcast no, uh, oh, welcome. Yeah. Hey. Hi, that's yep. silly very 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 very, very first podcast <laughs> oh cool good it's good good stories too yeah yeah it's cool no i, I like the fact you talk so much uh, the... <laughs> it's good what what does a cio actually do i feel like i should know that but it's coming from you you studied computer science at trinity right yeah oh, so yeah and I kind of come from a computer science background, electronic engineering, computer science background. But I have to confess, I'm always a little bit confused what a chief information officer is. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't for, the, for the benefit of everybody listening, I'm going, Don't ask me. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's, I should have asked Joe, Joe McDonald as well. Because he's a chief clinical information officer. Exactly. So, yeah, he's, he's a clinician. Um, one of my friends actually did get me. It's a lovely uh, lanyard that says, I am not a clinician because uh, whenever right. I go to con- conferences and because I was a founding member of the chief clinical information officers, everyone assumes I'm a clinician. And I'm like, no, right. I'm scared of blood. <laughs> and I'm not one of those people. <laughs> but uh, yeah, chief information officer. Oh, it means whatever you want it to mean. <laughs> mm. it, it was, it's one of those, I think, job titles that so particular to an organization, but also to a person. And there are plenty of people who don't have technical backgrounds who do, they have the chief information officer role. And then some people see it, well, it should be a chief technology, like a CTO or something mm. like that. So Yeah, I think it's that distinction between sort of CTO and CIO. I guess it's semantics, really. Yeah, but- and, and I, do, I do think it depends on kind of what you, what you make the role for yourself as well occasionally they they decide in my job that it it needs communications so i should do all Mm. the communications so i'm like okay thanks very much (laughs) you know (laughs) whatever whatever it needs to be uh, on the day that's the interesting thing about it because the the absence of the t for technology it it could be any Mm. kind of information flow right it could be as you say it sounds like this kind of um community care um process uh smart is it smart smile yeah yes yeah so it sounds like that's in part education right just kind of 
informo- information flow about your own health and i don't know yeah. it's a very broad yeah. is information to me is uh is the very nature of the world it is yeah <laughs> that, that's, that's deep <laughs> that is that is <laughs> yeah, i don't know i've got a, one of my best friends is a professor of physics and uh he and complexity theorist he works at the university of illinois and chat to him um about information and how um how it is essentially the essence of of life like that when nasa are looking for um, signs of life. One of the things they look for is negative entropy, which is this idea of of, of increasing um, increasing information, increasing complexity. So, I mean that literally. Information. It's like chief chief everything officer. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the like, way I, I, get, I, I do get asked to fix anything with a plug on it. So, I mean, dishwashers, fridge, you know, anything like that goes wrong in work. Uh, Michelle, could mm. you take a look? I don't know how to fix the doorbell. But, you know, inevitably yeah. you go out and go, actually, uh, no, I do. I do <laughs> so, know like, do literally, yeah. it could be anything. It's that, like if, if there's any sort of electronic component to it at all. Or, or you do always get asked that question of, you know, what's the best phone or what's the best laptop? Mm. I, I genuinely don't know yeah, because there's I, so much out there. And then people go, well, are you not supposed to be IT? And you're kind of like, ah, yeah, sure, cool, well, cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that as well. I get that. Can you fix my printer? I'm like, I have not yet. I've not touched a Windows <laughs> PC. This is not snobbery. It's just the world I live in. I've not touched a Microsoft PC for like 15, 20 years. Yeah. I, I don't. I honestly don't even. I don't know anything. I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know how. To, and they're like, "Could you uh, come and sort out my printer?" switch a computer on. Universal. <laughs> it's universal. Have you turned it off and turned it back on yeah. again? Because ninety nine percent of the time, that is going yeah. to fix the problem. <laughs> having said that, do you find yourself doing much sort of direct technical work or? Um, sometimes yes because our team is so small um and actually uh one of the ladies uh Aoife, w- went out on maternity leave last year and mm-hmm. we had another of the team move role so it was it's getting smaller and smaller mm-hmm. <laughs> and i found myself doing doing bits and pieces that i hadn't actually done in years but really really mm-hmm. enjoying it and you know kind of server issues and kind of like really looked at or thought about in years and it was mm-hmm. kind of like Oh, oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that because I suppose I had moved over to the dark side of strategy, but not actual, yeah. not actual strategy. I mean, actual implementing of stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I do kind of occasionally get uh, that. But one of the weird fallouts from COVID as well is that um, people, I think, looked at different roles in different areas as well. So we hired two new people quite recently, and neither of them came from a healthcare background, and they were both from uh, different kind of industries, completely different industries. Mm-hmm. But when they saw the role coming up within CareDoc and IT, they were like, okay, we'll give it a go. And they've, they're, they're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant additions to the team mm-hmm. because they've brought this whole kind of unique perspective that, mm. you know, because definitely in healthcare, you think about things in a certain way, but they've come in and they think about things completely differently now. Mm. And in one in my... One of the other things I do is One Health Tech. I don't know if you know much about One Health yeah, Tech. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're going to get to that. <laughs> Definitely going to get to that. But like that's all kind of, you know, about diversity and inclusion. And I remember, I suppose, I don't know if it was just purely an Irish thing, but at the very beginning, 
um, there's a few uh, men who kind of say, I'm not sure, is that just for women? <laughs> like, yeah. Part of it is promoting women into roles that maybe they wouldn't have, you know, thought about beforehand. But it mm. is actually about kind of inclusivity, but also people from diverse roles or people from different, I suppose, backgrounds joining health technology and bringing something that they don't, uh, you know, that you wouldn't have thought of before. And um, back, um, God, it's nearly two years ago now, Back when you could see people. <laughs> yeah. We ran a, a workshop myself and my friend Maria, who's the other founder of One Health Tech Ireland. Uh, we ran a workshop on cognitive bias. And it mm. was fascinating because part of it, it was a, we had three speakers and they basically all nearly started fighting amongst themselves about cognitive bias and the fact that they weren't biased. But one of the speakers just went, can I just ask how many people in this room have a third level education? And like everyone put up their hand and he was like, you're not diverse and inclusive. You're actually just the same bunch of people from different backgrounds. But like, what does that actually mean? And like, what is your own cognitive bias? I don't know if you've done much in cognitive bias, but it's so interesting. Like when you actually like sit down and take a good hard look at yourself and kind of go, oh, oh, yes, (laughs) I'm very biased about certain things. But the one like the huge thing that we had there that day was we had over 120 people registered and like usually you get 30 40 people for these events and we were like my goodness this is a load of people is the room going to be big enough are we going to have yeah. enough chairs but it actually turned out to be one of the best things ever because it really generated discussion on what actually is bias but we had loads of people from obviously healthcare, but then from the aviation industry who showed up to this. And that was kind of really cool for us because people had kind of gone, well, can I come if I'm from this sector or does it have to be health? And we're like, no, 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 that's the whole point. Everybody come on in, have, you know, sit down. And it was a roasty even as well. It was one of the few evenings that we actually you know, get sunshine in Ireland. So we thought, God, no one's going to show up to this. <laughs> they all sit outside with an ice cream. <laughs> but uh, we had, yeah. like, it was great, but I saw something this morning, actually, I think it was a headline, um, someone had tweeted it, and I just thought this can't actually be true, where I think it was the Science Foundation of Ireland had tweeted something about how they had increased the gender balance, but not to the detriment of the quality of research. I just thought... Mm. Who thought that was yeah. Who what? thought that was cool to publish that line? I, I guess, like I, I don't even like, <laughs> you know when you read yeah. something, you just go. Oh, That's okay. exposing a uh, yeah. Yeah, you just uh, you know, and, and it's so hard as well because you see, like in this day and age, and you kind of think. God, why do we still have to bang on about inclusivity and how mm. positive it is to be diverse and blah blah blah? And then you have people saying, "Oh well." she only got the job because she is a she or something like that. Mm. And it's like, no, people should get their roles based on what they actually can achieve, what they what they have done themselves, you know, the work that they can do, their qualifications, you know, whatever like that. I hate that kind of mentality of, oh, well, she got it because she was a she, she or maybe he got it because he was a he. And just to, if you could just get rid of mm. all of that completely and just, you know, People get roles because they deserve the roles and they've worked really hard for the roles. Mm. The other thing, when you ask me about, I suppose, chief information officer and what does that mean and all the rest of it, there are so many titles going around now and there are so many people with so many different titles that one thing that really irks me, and this is going to be another one of my rants, Mm. (laughs) is when, when people are given a role or given a title or they're given that kind of, you know, with certain roles become, become, become certain, you know, responsibilities. And, you know, when someone comes in and goes, 
oh, well, I know nothing about this. And I, I'm now in this role. And isn't it great? I know nothing about health mm-hmm. or I know nothing about technology. And I'm going to be their new health tech person. And you mm-hmm. kind of think you're doing a disservice to everyone, whether you're mm-hmm. male, female, wh- wh- however you identify. If you go if you go to any role and go, well, I know nothing about this, but I got the job. So it's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, why do people do that? Like, you know, people have gone to college. They've worked their ass off. They've tried really hard to get mm-hmm. these roles. I think it's so I, I, I just but I don't know why that has all of a sudden crept in to be like, it's cool to go, well, I don't really know anything about it, but it's all right. I have the rope. Like, I I don't get that. (laughs) It it reminds me of that kind of uh, proud uh, inability to do maths. Do do you know that thing where people are like, oh, I'm bad at maths, but it's like a badge of pride. I'm like, no, don't. (laughs) That's not good. That's not good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm not saying that you might, you might, everyone must be good at maths, but you shouldn't be, be proud of your ignorance. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe that's it. I, maybe like, that's it. Like, and maybe it's just something stupid that I just get annoyed about. I, I probably get annoyed about too many things. <laughs> no, 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 I like it. This is like room one hundred and one. This yeah. is good. Let it all out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. By the end of it, I'll be like, oh, best counselling session ever. Yeah, <laughs> great. Now. But uh, yeah, it is. It is. I think people work really hard to get into positions. Like. I think it's very insulting to other people that maybe have applied for a role or maybe are working really hard to try and get to that position. What's the point in people working hard to get to places if you're just going to be like, ah, sure, it's grand. I don't know about yeah. it at all, but we sure we'll get by. And I, But there's no need for that because, you know, you might know the person you go, but I know you worked really hard and I know you know what you're talking about. So it's like that thing, mm. you know, you do know your maths. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, I actually equate it with... Um numeracy and literacy uh, i think there should be a third one now which is computeracy which is oh yeah it. oh yeah <laughs> uh, and when when people talk about health tech and there are all these roles and people like as you say people mm. kind of proudly come in and sort of go i know nothing about this it's something i've been discussing with marcus Bohr quite a lot is is in the sort of cio network and within some of the kind of cto networks there's a um a willingness to to not be concerned with having the basic understanding of of some of, of some technical ideas and much like um literacy doesn't require you necessarily to go and you know write a shakespearean sonnet you don't need it to to that degree but you should be able to read computeracy is is a similar concept that you it doesn't you need to everyone needs to learn to code it just means you need to know how computers. Um, so much this. <laughs> yeah. Like someone said to me, like, where if you've got an oven, you don't need to know how the oven works, but you need to know what you can do with the oven. You maybe you need to learn how to cook, or you know what, what you yeah. do, how you can cook it. And computers are the same. You don't necessarily need to know how to code, but you you should have computeracy in the sense that you should know how how to use a computer what what's possible with them what how you can exchange data i i really like that uh, concept it wasn't mine i i nicked it off uh, uh, some genius from Princeton. Oh, right, cool. <laughs> Good nicking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did come across the phrase before, legitimate theft. So, you know, it was a le- legitimate theft of the idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like exactly. That. I call great. it, it's open source. Open yeah, source yeah there you go. <laughs> I, I forked his idea. <laughs> but I think that's exactly it because 
you, like you say, you don't need everyone to be able to sit down and write like a whole program in Java and, you know, be cool. Mm. Also, I hate Java. Anyway, that's a whole yeah. other, that's for a whole other rant. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh my God, four years of Java in college. And it's just like, I definitely have PTSD about Java. I just like... the Ruby side of the world. That's, that's Barbara, our CTO. She used to write Java. Oh no, no. Uh, and then uh, like 15 years ago, I said, come, come and learn Ruby, how to code in Ruby. <laughs> Ruby is the beautiful, it's the Italian. You're of, one of uh, those. Of, <laughs> yeah, it's one of, one of yeah, them. I've had, come to the Ruby. I've had that before actually. So yeah. Yeah. So there, there's, a little cult of you is there <laughs> there is yeah there's actually a saying that says uh minus one Mats is nice and so we are nice which is the japanese inventor of ruby it's just an Aww. incredibly polite lovely man mm. uh Mats, i won't i won't attempt his surname but Mats, <laughs> who invented <laughs> ruby uh, he's just such a such a nice guy and actually it it just sort of it is a very um uh collaborative good nice community go ruby I love Ruby. Fine, I'll go check out Ruby. <laughs> but no, I do I do agree with that completely because I like that. I think one of the things that oh my god, this is room 101. One of the things that annoy me is <laughs> <laughs> like AI has a place and it has a time, but I think like I'm so sick of AI. (laughs) You and me. I'm just like it's it's that whole thing where people like AI are going to solve our problems. I'm like that's great and all, but did you know that these four wards don't have a computer, so the people can't type their notes in. They have to write their (laughs) notes. So and it is that basic thing, as you said. You don't want someone to sit down write something in. You don't want them to write in Java anyway. You want them to write it in Ruby. But that aside, you don't Mm -hmm. need to sit down and program. But you do need to have that basic understanding of what can the computer actually do for the clinician? What can it do for the patient? What can it do for even the administration side of things? How can you make things simple? And there's so many simple little things that you can introduce that doesn't mean AI. I'm like, Mm. I think everybody has gone, ooh, AI is going to solve everything. Mm. And, you know, big data. Well, it's very difficult to get the big data out of the piece of paper that's at the bottom of the file that is four floors beneath you. So unless you solve those very small problems, I'm going to stop now. I'm like, I'm so Carry on, carry on, carry on. This is a a shared hatred. (laughs) (laughs) Which is ironic because our rostering system is all built on AI. But one one of the reasons I do dislike it is that when you do come along and go, actually, AI has a place here, mm. everyone's like, oh, it's marketing, marketing spiel. I'm like, no, 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 you need this. <laughs> this <laughs> thing, this is a good thing. I have a whole marketing as well. <laughs> and uh, it was funny because when I talked to my friends who, who do machine learning and AI in other fields and other technologies, they, they come to health tech and I was telling them about our rostering and the AI system that, sort of underpins it sorry to say that word that's okay that's we, we, we like some ai we like some ai, we like some AI. <laughs> but they were like oh great where's your data set and i was like no it's it, it's a, a more kind of constraint solving so you, you it's not machine learning which is another bugbear of mine that i'm going to stick that in room 101 is confusing mm-hmm. machine learning and artificial intelligence so it's not machine learning but they, it's funny because they come to health tech and they go oh where's where's your big data set for the machine learning and i'm like no, like you say, it, it's, it's in bits of paper, and they're, yeah. they're, it's going to be hard. I, I get, I get the kind of um, the computer vision sort of stuff, like the radiology things, and like looking at. Even then, even then, there are simpler problems to be solved. 
that's it. Well, no. If we could just, and, and like, absolutely, I am all for like the big thinking and like, how can we do this in the future? How can we do that? And that is wonderful. And you do need the people out there doing that. And you do need the AI experts and you do need the people looking at it. But you also need the people who know about the technology, who know how to make the simple thing work for a clinician and say, this is how it's going to work. This is um, a another bit of a tangent but it was when um, when I was um pregnant with my second child I went to the same consultant and the second time I, I went up to him he was there with um a computer on his desk and he was just like and I knew that I knew about the system. I I knew the guys who had installed it. I knew everything kind of what was happening in the background. Mm -hmm. So I kind of said, so tell me more. And then, you Mm -hmm. know, we got into a big discussion about it. And um, the funniest thing that he was just like, it it completely and utterly changes the way I practice. I have practiced Mm -hmm. like this for 30 odd years of my Mm -hmm. life. But now I'm sitting in front of the computer going, why are you asking me this question? No one needs Mm -hmm. to know this. You're here. You're pregnant. Like it doesn't need to know all of this other information. And it was Mm. that kind of, it was that very simple thing that I think from day one, even though, again, I I had come like obviously from like my computer science background, but I'd come into kind of health going, it has to be iterative. It can't be that waterfall approach of just like, and then nothing Mm. gets done. But I was just looking at what they'd done and I just thought, you know, they didn't talk to any of these consultants. They didn't talk to the secretaries or who was going to use it because they had put one printer on a floor for like six different consultants. And it wasn't until they put this one printer in and everyone was walking up and down going, this is ridiculous. Like we need something besides this. Because obviously a lot of it was still paper-based. But one of the things that had come out of it was that a lot of the time um, people do kind of joint GP consultant care in Ireland. So you would have a big file that you would take with you. But now that no longer existed. So, uh, you know, and there was no linkage between kind of the GP's system and this new system. So there's that whole thing that had to be, you know, you, you kind of think that you would kind of go into it and go, okay, how are we going to solve that? But it was like, no, no, let's just get a shiny new system and we'll worry about everything mm. else afterwards. But it fundamentally changed how someone was going to practice. But that also meant that they disliked the technology, which meant they kind of, they tarnished their view about the technology and just kind of went, actually, no, we don't like this anymore. The technology is not going to work. But technology is good. It can work, but it's just getting about those simple, basic things right. It's like, having that extra printer on every, like for all of the secretaries. So they're not trotting up and wasting loads of time trying to find the printer, get, you know, paper, you know, mm. they have everything there. But those small, simple little things. Yeah, you can talk all the AI you want, but there's still like that. There are still hospitals who don't have computers for all of the nurses to access. or so there's a queue to access the computer, which means that if you want to do something, the nurse is going to obviously write it down. It's going to be easier for them to just write it down rather than queue up, try to put it on the patient record and find out, you know, how am I going to do this? How am I going to log in? You know, no, it's just going to be easier. It's so it's the basic thing of making these things simpler. Now, they work phenomenally. There are, there are some places that everything does work well and they have the latest technology and everything's going well. But then it's just that software piece that if you can do things better, if you can make things quicker for clinicians, if you can make things just just listen to the users, basically, just listen to what they need. They need because there's nothing worse than someone going, I have this shiny product and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. then the user gets and goes, but this is completely not what I want. Or that translation piece mm-hmm. of someone saying, well, I want this. And then it's built for them without any kind of intermediate kind of iterative movement and then they just get this whole thing and say but that's what you wanted it's like no 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 that's not what I meant and that whole thing of like what you actually mean versus what it's actually like in practice because 
you can tell somebody something, but you also do those four other steps that you don't count as, you know, something that needs to be included until it's delivered to you and you're right. But what about all these other steps that we need to do? Um, mm. We're working with a new company at the moment, and uh, <laughs> I'll probably be shot for saying this, but <laughs> no company should ever have sales or marketing. Okay, <laughs> once they start getting sales and marketing, they start getting into trouble. <laughs> yeah, Mariah. Yeah, Mariah. Get, yeah, get out of exactly here! Right. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> once you're good, said that there should be like a code of ethics, you know, where you know, because I always feel bad that. Um, when you when you speak to a salesperson and they promise you the sun, moon, and stars, mm. and you kind of know that's that's not technically possible. You've been watching too much CSI with your fancy <laughs> floaty bits mm. and pieces. You know that's not going to work, and it's just that kind of horrible. You know, nearly when your heart sinks because they're promising, yes, that can be done. And you see other members of the team going, "Oh, that's going to be awesome," and you're like, "That doesn't exist in the world yet." <laughs> so yeah. you know, that's a whole that's far, far away uh, from where we are now, and. I think there's a lot of that over-promising in technology and in healthcare. Mm. It's both harping on about it again. The basics, if you could just do the small, simple things, listen to what people actually want as opposed to what like you think mm. they want and just take it from there. There's even just, again, as I said, like in my role in CareDoc, I've been very lucky that if I say this technology is going to work or maybe it won't, who knows? <laughs> but then I'm like, okay, well, let's give it a go and see, yeah. see, how, see how it works. But what I've always done is I've always kind of included people from the beginning as well. So even our GPs, I usually pick the GPs that I know are like, well, I hate technology. There, mm. there was one particular board member and she was absolutely great because anytime I went to do a presentation, he went, well, I'm not going to use it. I hate technology and I'm not just not going to use it. I'm like, well, thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> yeah. Just as I walk okay. up to present, well, this is what we're going to do next. Yeah. Well, this is pointless. I'm just thanks, like, man. great. Thanks very much, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he, he was one of the people that he actually came back to me after and was like, fine i'll give up the pen that actually makes sense but it was mm. it was just kind of like bringing them on board and going right yeah. we can do this but if it doesn't yeah. work we will change it i think it's giving people that option to say we're not going to force you to use this forever if it doesn't work we will accept that yeah. and we will change that and i think yeah. that's something that if, if you don't do that like you're never going to get people on board you're never going to get people to kind of yeah. buy into something because if they think right it's the finished product and we'll never change it that's the end of it they're just gonna be like mm. i don't like it and i just remember my consultants just going nope nope that's not what i want and i was like no work with the team tell them what you want they'll change it they'll do it and yeah. eventually i think they they did you know all the changes all the rest of it but it's just a simple thing of you have to be open and it's not a criticism of you as a person where i think sometimes people take it personally if they've designed a product or done something like that it's not it's just like a, either a misunderstanding or you know this is how we could do things slightly differently or slightly better. Yeah, that kind of user-led approach is definitely coming more to the fore, isn't it? I think mm, yeah. like you, you hear it everywhere, user-led, user-led. We've, we've got it in our execution essentials plan that we've, that, we, that we've developed. It almost feels like there should be a Hippocratic oath of uh, computer science, which basically says, first, do no harm. Like yeah. you, going into that doctor's surgery, <laughs> like, don't make his day worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. please yeah. don't. <laughs> Whatever the starting point is, don't make it don't make it worse. Yeah, we had a lovely relationship though. Then after that, because um, once I was going in, and my husband was like, "Don't forget to actually ask about the child <laughs> that you are growing currently." Yeah, yeah. I come out going, "Well, <laughs> guess what? The latest update on the technology is." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I love it. So, like uh, the first fifteen minutes of consultation would be like a quick chat about what's been different, what has done differently, how it has yeah. improved. But they were getting those improvements, so there was that kind of 
but it, it's even just someone to listen to, I think, you know, because you can see that spark of, oh, someone's listening and it's going to actually do something about it. I think that's yeah. so important as well. Yeah, massively. That's great. I don't know who was, uh, you know, who was serving who in that relationship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> ah, worked out well. <laughs> I like the doing the podcast because it's an opportunity to, to talk to people you always want to talk to anyway. But I'm like, I really want to, I want, I have a long-term attitude. I want to find out what you guys are doing over there. I want to have a good relationship with you and to find out what, what's happening with One Health Tech. Yeah, and... absolutely. Absolutely. Can I ask you a bit more about One Health? I don't want to, yeah. I don't feel like I've heard enough about One Health Tech because I'm, I'm interested in, uh, we, we've got, um, we've got quite a good gender balance in our company for software. We've got three female software engineers out of a team of seven, seven or eight. We've we've always had always had that, but we it was sort of a happy accident, really. You see, I think that's the way it should be, and that's 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 the way I think these things should work and should always be, is because I think if you try too hard to try, like where if if you're like we have to achieve the gender balance, mm. I think there's something that is missing. Yes, we do need to address gender balance in so many different different areas and different things, but. It's not necessarily got to do with the role or what they're delivering at that point in time or their capabilities or, or, you know, whatever it happens to be. I think you need to further look back at why didn't they person study for that in the first place? What affected them from doing that? Because if you're looking kind of at general uh, gender balance from even promoting, say, more females uh, or whatever like that, there might be a reason that they didn't actually study that particular subject or they might not have felt supported at the very beginning or you know maybe they had children and their maternity leave is, is a big thing as well where some people say oh well she's going to be missing for six months or something and I, I think it's just it's very difficult to speak about it as well in to keep everyone happy if that mm. makes sense because sometimes I think people just see gender balance and, and they're like oh it has to be this and it has to be that but I think what we ignore are all the underlying causes of why it's not where it should be. It's not necessary just because you didn't promote the right people or the right people didn't apply for the job or whatever the case may be. There is a reason that they didn't apply for the job or there's a reason that they're not in that specialty area or, you know, there's all those other reasons that go beforehand that I think they need to be sorted as well, not just we need to have more women in tech or we need to have more, you know, whatever the the case may be because sometimes that does a disservice, I think, too. To that whole argument, mm. if you don't actually kind of look at really well, always I think no matter what the case may be, the best person for the job is the best person for the job, and I think that's why from the One Health Tech perspective, what we're always trying to do is that we're trying to promote yes, the diversity and inclusivity is so important, but it has to be done for the right right reasons. It can't be just done for oh, well, let's just do it to say we're inclusive or to say we're, we're diverse, because that actually demeans the whole point of having diversity mm. and inclusion. Mm. And like, it, as I said, like, I, I do think it is a very difficult, it is a very difficult topic for people to address as well and to speak about as well, because they are afraid that they're going to insult someone or that they're going to like hurt someone's feelings. And I don't think that's ever the case. Now, obviously, you have people on social media and they'll say horrible things about people and but you're always going to have that and it's Mm. just how to tackle the issue and how to kind of look at well you know how can we support 
people from from different backgrounds? How can we support people uh, maybe from um, you know poorer backgrounds? And I saw something actually was from Joe McDonald and he was tweeting about helping medical students yeah. um, to getting into medical school, but then saying to the parents, yes, absolutely, and they have the grades and they have everything, but now you need three thousand mm. uh, pounds. And it, it's just you know, how can we put supports in place to get people from different backgrounds? into the places where they need to be, into the places where they have they they have everything to, to flourish in this role, but they're just not getting to that stage to actually get get mm. to that role. So it's how can we look at how can we go back to the very beginning and kind of take it from there. And yeah. like that with um you know I suppose health tech is very, very specific. And I think a lot of people think, oh well, I'm I I didn't train in health technology. Maybe I can't do it. But if you have like engineering skills or if you're coming from different backgrounds as well, you bring a different way of thinking. You, you like if, if you've worked in a different field, you bring a different way, way of thinking. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's really important to always have those people on your team as well, because they will challenge how you think about something. And mm-hmm. I think when you're when you're in any role for a certain length of time, mm-hmm. you start thinking a certain way. And it's not to be, because obviously I think, you know, there's so much study about, about kind of cognitive bias and your own bias. And when you're hiring people, you hire people who think like you. Mm. And so to kind of, even when you're going into, if you're interviewing someone to kind of think, okay, well, maybe I'll disagree with what they think, but how will that improve the company overall? Or how will that improve what we do? And also, especially if you're designing software, like, Again, if you're thinking about the users and everything to get everyone involved, don't just concentrate on, you know, one aspect of it. So if you're designing clinical software, yes, have a clinician involved, but have all the other users that are involved as well. Because sometimes I think people um, have gone down that route where they're like, oh, clinicians only, you know, we'll get a GP and he will do the work. But then they forget Mm. there's a practice nurse, there's practice administration, there's all the other users too. So just presumption about who the user is yeah ex- absolutely and so try and challenge ourselves around that as well so the, like mm. we we had um <laughs> we had this really uh funny one health tech event and it was basically it was a boys against the girls kind of thing <laughs> so right. it, i don't know if you've ever heard of this uh, nightclub called copper face jacks this no. is this is getting into a, a whole gray area where is she going with it <laughs> copper face jacks is a particular nightclub where a lot of guards and nurses frequent or that's kind of the you know the story around it but uh, we had right. a copper face this is jacks. In Dublin. yeah yeah and we had a copper mm. face jacks one health tech event because it was actually a team of um from a health care who were all females and a team from the guards who were all males and what mm. we actually What's discussed, the guards the, uh, police. Oh, the police the police but we basically just we what we actually spoke about it's not necessarily all bad having mm. all male on a team or all female on a team it's to get the right people with the skills that you do but then to be cognizant as you said before of your users of the other people that are going to make that impact that are going to actually you know challenge your ideas and why it's why sometimes you know having an all-female team or an all-male team is maybe what you need for a project mm. maybe it's not but it, it's to try and examine every element of what you're doing and not just thinking this is right or this is wrong and just always kind of challenge yourself around that space yeah this is a minefield right so yeah go first uh, Mariah's face you're like what's he gonna say no No, I just just wonder what your your take on this is but my my belief I'm for a start I'm glad that this conversation happened kind of at the end of the podcast right because 
what it highlights to me is how much you've got common interests you know in terms of health tech and it and like the, the gender side of things should be the like the thing at the end that yeah you, it shouldn't you know, be that's you, exactly you know I mean? it like it's not 100 <laughs> and that, that's exactly it gender that's yeah gender should never be an yeah. issue really having, having <laughs> said that what i what i found in our company is I, I call it a happy accident because barbara cto you know she was coding java she had uh, a couple of kids and i was like learn ruby and we can do this and um and it just sort of grew out of that but i think having one one lady in the engineering team meant that another lady who's interested in technology didn't feel like an outsider coming into that company and yeah. and then it just sort of snowballed so it's almost like our first rule of women in tech is not to discuss women in tech because yeah the thing we <laughs> The, the thing we all share in common is just a, a, a love of of the techie side Tech, of things and, and that feeling. I remember we were interviewing um, uh, some candidates once and uh, Barbara said to me, she says, yeah, he just, he doesn't have that thing. You know, when, when your code compiles and you're just like, yeah, or, or, or yes, some software works yeah. the right way. I just, I didn't get that feeling that it was someone who, who, who got that joy of, yes, that worked. I did. I built that thing. And I was like, yeah, that's what unites us, isn't it? Like, that's the thing that yeah. everyone yeah. in this team loves. Um, and, and that's the only thing that matters. Like, we, we just sort of uh, concentrate on, on that similarity. Yeah. Uh, but but in, a, in a weird way, we do sort of have to slightly positively discriminate because you, you don't want to feel like the odd one out because it, it does feel quite noticeable. Does that make it sense? Does, no, 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 it does make sense. It, it does totally make sense. And that's why I think it, like, it, it is that whole, it's, it's, it's sharing that joy for something like that, where, as you said, like, it's like, yes, it, it, and it, it's like, you're, you're hiring someone for that quality where they're like, yes. And like that, as you said, gender doesn't really come into it. However, it, as you said, if you had to go into a team that were predominantly a male team and you might go, oh, maybe, I, maybe they don't want me there or maybe I would feel awkward there. Mm. And it's, it's, I suppose it's trying to address those issues that they need to be addressed. Kind of, it's not the, whether the person should join the team or not. It's kind of, how do you make them feel more comfortable? But then, as you said, if you have that one person in there and you bring someone else in, mm. how do you make, how do you make them feel comfortable as well? But yeah, it's unfortunately something I don't think we'll solve say, straight away, but I do think it's, that needs so much kind of... I feel like our happy accident is a kind of a beacon of what is possible because yeah. I do think there is an argument for kind of uh, a sort of positive discrimination as in you you encourage it in that direction so it becomes a more comfortable environment and then once, it, and then once that is the case, it just it flourishes on its own right and you don't need to do any more. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm, I'm trying. I'm tiptoeing through this because obviously, you know, some no. white gammon telling <laughs> exactly. his theories of how to get more women in tech. <laughs> we've, we've been lucky. We've, we managed. No, but to that's, do it. but that's the whole thing where people shouldn't feel worried about having that discussion. That discussion needs to be had, and the more that that discussion is had, the more, the less people will feel like they have to tiptoe around it. There is not enough women in tech, but also when women get into that tech role as well there is that responsibility there as you said to encourage more people but also to to appreciate i suppose the role that they 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 play to to younger people maybe or to as, as a role model to say yeah 
cool this is this is awesome like let's let's look at like stem let's look at what we can do and and just do it as your job and do it as, to the best of your ability don't do it because you're a woman or because you know or you're mm. you know you identify in a, in a particular way do it because it's your passion and it's what you want to do and mm. and i think encouraging others to do it because it is their passion and it's because what they want to do um and and try and view it maybe from that perspective but as you said you've obviously got a great balance in your team and um, as you said that was kind of a happy accident the way that happened and if you could have if there were more of those for people like that it comes back to as you said that gender should be the last thing that you think about it should be because you want the job because you're you're really passionate about it because you want to succeed in that area you want to be really good at it and then people go oh that person is really good at their job and it doesn't matter how they identify gender just doesn't come into it and balancing that against that whole thing of well, there's no women in that team or there's no, no, uh, you know, there's, you know, a, a person from a different background going, oh, God, no, it's only a certain type of people are in that team. Mm. How to kind of balance that aspect of it as well. It only takes a couple, though, because the flip of this right, is my son did a drama. Um, I'm into drama. I don't know Mariah. Mariah and I have been on stage together. Ooh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when when you're... Uh, a man coming into a drama or, or a boy going to like a local drama here. My son was doing lessons, but very rapidly he became like the only boy yeah. in, in it. Right. And he's surrounded by girls who into the dancing and things like that. But if you are a boy who, who likes performing and doing dance and stuff like that, you're kind of, a, you're kind of okay. If there's like two or three boys doing it, if you're the only boy, yes, then you start to feel like, why am I the why am I the odd one yeah. out? And that that's to me the flip of it is like if you can just get for that group that are interested perhaps in something that that tends to be more attracted to to one gender than the other. If you can just get past that lip of you're the odd one out, to, yeah, it's fine. It's, you know you share our passion. Yeah, and there are there are other people who look and sound like you in the same same group. It's just, yeah. it's just enough to open open a door and let let people feel a bit more home in that environment. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. That, that's my fear. it's like a catalyst. It's like you get the first bit and then off it goes. So that's my yeah. kind of hope for. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. But I think it's just like you said, it's having those conversations and it's and it's trying to be open about them. And I think people don't want to sometimes have those conversations either because they feel because sometimes they happen on social media and that's the worst place ever to have those yeah, conversations it is the worst place. <laughs> because it doesn't matter what you say because no matter what we say here today someone will will come out and give out about how we said it or what we said it and it's it doesn't matter how inclusive you try to be you you're either being too inclusive or you're not being inclusive enough and i think in your heart if you know what you're trying to say but it doesn't come out right and it definitely doesn't come out right and like however many characters on twitter and no, you know and then it just goes right. it just goes horribly wrong for for people and then you can see people just going oh crying out loud why did you even start this conversation and yeah. that's nearly worse because yeah. then it promotes other people to not speak about it i'd really i struggle to articulate it here but i'd struggle to articulate even more in 250 characters because i guess part of it is I, I believe that you shouldn't keep focusing on the fact yeah. that it's women in tech. I don't yeah, mean, absolutely. Like, yeah. I just don't think it should be like, po keep pointing. I think you finger. might be in my brain actually as well. <laughs> like something you said to me earlier, because I did have a conversation with someone last night and I just said, 
in my Twitter profile, I have written women in tech or hashtag women in tech. That's, that's kind of... And I actually was just kind of like, I, that, that's not actually exactly what I, I was trying to articulate. And again, I struggled to articulate it last night as well, because it's not that yeah. I do not want to promote women in tech. I do want to promote women in tech, but I don't want that to be at the disadvantage of anyone else who thinks, well, I'm not going for that role if, if it's only going to be given to a woman in tech because it is a woman in tech, you know, that kind of way. Mm. So it, it's kind of, it's trying to strike that balance, mm. you know, but I think the more the conversation has had, and maybe, maybe it is, you know, healthy debates are always fine and it's really, really good. And I, like, I would encourage that on social media as well, but on social media, it just seems to turn nasty and mean way too quickly. Even if someone is trying to encourage a healthy debate or trying to have a chat about mm. something, it just goes hair-shaped and wrong quite quickly. Well, that's what I think. It's just like, it's more important to kind of live your values. Um, yeah. And, and when, um, you know, we've had a, a work experience girl coming in who was into coding and I was like, yes, good. Yeah, it's a really good career. You'll really enjoy it. She seemed to be really into it. And sure enough, I think... I was chatting to her mum the other day. I think she's gone off to do a computer science degree. So I was like, Yay! yes, you know, like I won, I yeah. won one over to, to that side. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, and I think just even like for our children, I, I had the most bizarre conversation with my daughter because obviously I'm like, yay, go girls, yeah. woo, go back. Yeah. In, in like in a different way. But um, she said to me, oh, um, what, what, what happened with the nurse or the nurse saw me or I saw the nurse. And I said, well, that was a doctor. And she said, but it was a woman. <laughs> just like, <laughs> four years of age at the time. And I was like, now let me tell you something about oh, gender, young lady. <laughs> and I was like, uh, Thomas's mum, Aoife, is a doctor. That lady was a doctor. And, and, and I was going through all of these things. And she just kind of went, oh, right, okay. Because in books, <laughs> they're always... The, you know, in, in books yeah. or in this cartoon, it, you know, the nurse was always a woman. and the doc But even if you notice, like when people are speaking about doctors, they will default to he said. And when they speak about nurses, they'll default to she said. Yeah, I consciously, I don't, mm -hmm. I hope this doesn't come across as virtue signaling now. But I, whilst I don't think you should talk about women in tech, I always deliberately do the opposite of the expectation, just because I think that's... That, yeah that subtlety of language just reinforces it every yeah you know. yeah it is it's, it's such it is such a difficult one it is as you said it's hard to traverse it's hard to actually talk about it without going am i saying something wrong because as you said like internally you know what you're trying to say and you're trying to like as you said you're trying to stick to your values and you feel about something but that can be so easily manipulated into something else or, or turned into something else which is unfortunate because i do mm. think that that means people then just go, oh, I'm not even going to talk about it. And yeah. that's kind of sad too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's unfortunate that you do have to have those hashtags that you do have to have, like, I suppose, promoting women in STEM or women in tech or whatever it is, because really it should just be anybody who loves it should be able to do it. And yeah. like, that's for mm. dancing, that's for drama, it's for, for absolutely everything. If you just love it, you should just be able to do it. And gender shouldn't be seen or shouldn't be a pro or con for these things and just you know if, if you're passionate about something just, mm. just get in and do it yeah, yeah. and even if you suck at it just keep doing it i've never let my incompetence be a barrier oh same here there's been many a band where i thought i'm, I'm so cool i can totally do this and you're kind of like <laughs> jumping away or you're 
playing your bass guitar and you're like, well, actually, I told you so. It's a great fun. <laughs> exactly. Enjoy the journey. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> if there's one thing our listeners should know, what would that be? Uh, it's not like we should, uh, we should be kind of that question. Well, do you know what? It's actually, it's actually a really good question for the simple reason. You do think, of, is it, you know, are you trying to impart some wisdom or something that you've learned about maybe your role or whatever? From that perspective, I would say, like, be transparent in, in what you do. And it's kind of that, as you said, it's that open source ethos of, like, share what you have, like, in, from a code perspective, like, share a code, you know, do what you can from that perspective. But just in general, no matter what you do, be, be transparent and let people be involved with things and let them feel like they've had a part of it because they're going to be more accepting and they're go, you're going to learn so much more and you're going to come out with a better idea or whatever it happens to be at the end of the day. Um, I think just in general, I would always say to people, you know, be true to be true to yourself and like that. It doesn't matter what you're passionate about or what your love is, just follow that. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but always just mm. try as much as you can. And I think a lot of that sometimes is kind of eaten out of us as we grow older. <laughs> Not that beaten yeah. <laughs> physically, but just, you know, you kind of you get more disheartened and you're kind of like, oh well, really, should I try this and do this? But I suppose trying out not to ever lose that little spark within you. And, you know, if you feel like you're getting dispassionate about something or just kind of look at, well, why? Or maybe it is that you just need to change or you just need to look at it differently or, you know, come on this podcast and talk to you guys and get it all out yeah. there. You know, all the rage yeah. out there. <laughs> get the it's counseling. good. <laughs> but yeah, no, just be yourself. And, you know, if you're passionate about something, follow it, follow it through. I love that mentality. That's yeah. a good one. That's a good answer. Sometimes when you put yourself out there, when you are transparent about what you're trying to do, and even even your your cock ups and things yeah. that don't quite go right and stuff, there there is a group of people who really latch on and support you mm. in in those things. I find. Yeah, I've absolutely. Got a phone call with a guy, uh, Andy Sanford, who I met at NHS Hack Days, really lovely guy. And I'm just like, ah, oh, and then trying this, and it's just not quite going the right way. And and I'm just phoning him up because I know he will. Yeah, you listen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go, ah, oh, maybe try this. Yeah. Or... Well, you do need that, and I think I think that sometimes, and I, like I would be the worst in the world actually for that. Like I I would just be like, no, I will solve this. I will get. It. But sometimes you just do need to ask for that little bit of help, and mm. I think it's that maybe people don't like to think that they're vulnerable or that you know I can't say say that I don't know what or whatever but do you know what I think you're right like people will will latch on and will help you and just be like no that's cool let's see how we can solve that and like as much as I'm saying there is a lot of negativity maybe in social media there is a lot of positivity too and when you see people going I need help with this or can someone help with this or you know people do jump in and they're willing to like give up their time they're willing to help people out as well so there is that amazing kind of spark in humans that do want other people to succeed yeah. And do you want to help solve problems and, and see, you know, what, what can happen? Mm. This has been awesome, by the way. This has been, been very, really very good. good. Thank so you. thank you very much for your time as well. Thank you to all our listeners who tuned in to today's episode of Sardisms. We really enjoyed having Michelle as she shared her insights into not only how we can help patients, but also allow for more open dialogue with healthcare practitioners to ensure that they are supported. You can find out more about SARD by visiting sardjv.co.uk or send us a tweet on Twitter at sardjv and use hashtag Sardisms. Until next time, have a great week.